So today is the first Sunday of Advent. Advent is a Latin word, or the word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which literally means coming. So every year the church prepares for and waits for the coming of the Christ. Like every, every year we know that the Lord is coming, that God comes to us. And it matters how we respond. In our story from the Bible today, uh, the angel Gabriel comes uh, to Mary. And God sends Gabriel um, uh, to this little town in Galilee called Nazareth. Now Gabriel is a big deal. Nazareth, uh, not so much. Um, in Hebrew, the name Gabriel means warrior of God. And he's one of the two angels that are mentioned in our Bible. Michael is the other one. Uh, in ancient Jewish literature, uh, Gabriel is listed um, with three others as one of the archangels. And the archangels are those that are in the presence of God. They um, are in the presence of God, praising God, uh, but also interceding for humanity. Um, and Gabriel is, is one of the archangels that will officiate at the Last Judgment. So he's a big deal. And, and Gabriel goes to visit Mary in Nazareth. Nazareth is a little deal. Uh, I've been uh, reading about uh, Nazareth and learning some things. And, and uh, the book that we're going through, a lot of you, maybe your Sunday school class or your journey group or, or small group, are um, reading together Adam Hamilton's book, The Journey, Walking uh, the Road to Bethlehem, our, our sermon series during this season of Advent. Um, we'll, we'll be fo following uh, roughly this, this pattern. Well, um, on page 15, he talks about Nazareth. And uh, he, he says that Nazareth was such a small town uh, that it was this insignificant little town that it's not even mentioned in, in uh, historical doc documents. He says it's not among the 63 villages of Galilee mentioned in the Hebrew Talmud or the 45 mentioned in uh, the first century Jewish historian uh, Jophesis, Josephus, who knew this area really well. Um, so like it doesn't even make a blip on, on anybody's radar. Uh, so the population of Nazareth is estimated to be uh, anywhere from 100 to 400. Um, but, but since it really doesn't show up at all, it's, it's quite possible that it, it could be much smaller than that. And so if you're going to tell somebody how to get there, that's what Adam Hamilton says, is uh, you would associate it to the, the town, you know, just down the road, uh, Sepphoris, um, which had a population of 30,000. Um, and it was well known. It was uh, relatively affluent. It had culture. It had shopping um, and, and all the other things that, that, that come with a, a prosperous town. Um, the archaeological excavations have, have shown these uh, luxury villas and uh, homes with these extravagant mosaic uh, tile floors um, and, and stuff like that. On, on the other hand, uh, in Nazareth, there are none of those things. Uh, so it was likely a town of servants, of farmers, of, of, of shepherds, of people who probably um, went into Sepphoris to, uh, to work uh, day in and day out. Um, in fact, um, he says that the evidence shows 
um, that, that many of them may have built their homes uh, in and around the area's soft limestone. Uh, they, would, they would dig out these caves, which would be the least expensive uh, form of housing and would be a sign of relative poverty for the folks who lived there. Well, many Christians believe that Mary lived in one of these caves. Uh, in, in Nazareth, there are remains of a house that tradition says um, is Mary's house. We're going to be going to Nazareth in the, the spring, in March, on our Holy Land tour. And I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to get to, to see uh, this site. Uh, but in the fourth century, they started building churches over this site. And um, the, the one that, that's currently there, uh, down near the, the altar, there's this big opening in the floor and you can look down and it's the church's uh, holiest place. Um, it's the cave, Mary's home. So they say, according to tradition, it's the place where God comes. It's the place where Gabriel comes to Mary. Our pilgrimage this past summer began in Barcelona, and the plan was that we would um, spend a number of days uh, decompressing. It turned out we had to spend some days waiting for our luggage. Um, my wife, Tim, and I were, were both very excited, though, um, about what, what really was a, a pilgrimage within the pilgrimage. Uh, we were going to hop on the train and take a day trip to Montserrat. Montserrat means serrated mountain, and um, it is a mountain about uh, 40 kilometers uh, from Barcelona, uh, and it's famous. Uh, in the year 945, um, the monastery of St. Cecilia was founded, and then about 80 years later, um, the current monastery was founded, the, the monastery of Montserrat. And they have about 70 monks uh, who live and, and work there, and they spend their, they spend their lives in prayer and work, um, a lot of the monks will uh, take care of the organization, the administrative stuff, and, and the running of the monastery, and all of the, the tourists and the pilgrims who come. Um, a lot of them will, uh, will teach and re do research. Um, a lot of them uh, will run the publishing house that they have. Uh, some of the monks uh, work with the boys' choir. And then some of the monks uh, keep the shrine. And the shrine is the reason that Montserrat is famous. And as, as the legend goes, in, in 880, on a Saturday near dusk, uh, some shepherd children saw this, this light falling from the sky, and this beautiful song accompanied it um, in the middle of the mountain. And so they ran home and they shared what they, what they had seen. And the next Saturday, they brought their parents with them and they all saw the same vision, this, this bright light coming, falling out of the sky, accompanied by a beautiful song in the middle of the mountain. So they went and got the rector, and for four consecutive Saturdays at dusk, they all saw the same vision, this light falls from the sky, accompanied by a beautiful song in the middle of the mountain. Well, when the Bishop of Manresa hears about it, he comes. And they go um, and they find this cave. And in this cave is a statue of Mary and the boy Jesus. 
uh, is sitting in her lap. And so they tried to take this statue in uh, procession back to Monresa, but they were thwarted. And they in interpreted this um, as divine intervention, like th this miraculous statue was to stay on the mountain. Uh, it was to stay uh, at, at Montserrat. And so Chan and I are there, and uh, we decide to, to take the, the trail uh, to the cave. And the trail is um, it's marked by spectacular vistas and views because you're on top of this mountain. And all along the way are the Stations of the Cross. And so uh, we had our prayer beads and um, we took, uh, I guess, maybe a little pilgrimage in the pilgrimage in the pilgrimage uh, out to this cave. And we stopped at the different places and, and we, would, we would pray together and just reflect on the, the images of the statues and the sculptures of um, the story of Jesus' life. And they've built a chapel. Um, it's like right into the side of the mountain. And you go in and there's this cave or, or grotto where the statue was found. And we, we sat there in the quiet um, and we prayed and reflected on the story. Um, th there's a copy of the statue uh, in that little cave, but the real statue, the shrine, is, is in the basilica. And uh, pilgrims and tourists uh, line up for hours. Uh, for the chance to, to, to pass in, in front of this statue. And um, the color of Mary's face and hands is, is, is dark. Um, and based on what historians have, have written over the centuries, um, the statue has just darkened over time. Um, but so she has got this popular name, La Morinetta, or uh, the darkened one, um, and is considered one of the, one of the black Madonnas. Uh, the ritual for the pilgrims that come uh, is to is to to kiss uh, her right hand or this this orb or a sphere that is in her right hand that that represents the universe, and so you you touch the orb or you kiss the orb and then you hold out um, you hold out your right hand toward Jesus, uh, her son, uh, who of course is the one uh, who gives us eternal life. Well, the image is protected because it's so old. It's behind this, um, you know, semi-cylindrical glass case, and there's a there's a hole cut out uh, where the orb is, um, so that the pilgrims uh, can touch it and rub the orb. So we're in this line, and it takes us a good long while to get there. And as we get closer to the little steps that climb up, so that you can see it, it would be like in the chancel area of of a church. Um, there are these signs of prohibition. All of the things that you can't do. You can't take pictures. Um, and I think because we were still in COVID time, you weren't allowed to touch the orb. Uh, you weren't allowed to, to kiss the orb. And so I just felt really bummed, you know, like I am in this sacred place and I, and I can't touch the orb. Maybe you know the story of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Um, he was a, a, a Spanish theologian and mystic, and he was actually one of the, the most influential figures of the Roman Catholic Counter-Reformation in the, the 16th century. And uh, he was the founder of the Society of Jesus, or the Jesuits in 
1534. Well, Ignatius was born wealthy. He was born in a, in a castle in the Basque country. Um, his family was noble. His, his family was wealthy. Um, but, but he always dreamed of battle and of, of going to war and stuff. And so he joined the army when he was 17. Um, and uh, then in 1517, he became a knight. Uh, so he had this great ambition and, and was very successful in that. Uh, and by his own admission, um, he was a man given to the vanities of the world. So in other words, uh, he had lots of sin in his life. Uh, well, in 1521, in the Battle of Pamplona, while he was defending the citadel against the French, um, a cannonball, uh, he was hit by a cannonball, um, and it, and it uh, damaged both of his legs pretty badly. While he was resting at home, uh, the only thing that was there for him to read uh, was religious stuff. And so he read books about the life of Jesus. He read books about the saints of the church. And his reading transformed him. Uh, he was a, a different person. So not long after that, after his recovery, he went on a pilgrimage. And guess where he went? He went to the Serrated Mountain, uh, to Montserrat. And for three days at the monastery in Montserrat, uh, he confessed the sins of his whole life. It took him three days, <laughs> lots of sin. And he's standing before the statue of Mary, La Moraneta, the Black Madonna, with the boy Jesus sitting in her lap. And God meets him there. God comes and he surrenders. And so he lays down his sword at Mary's feet and he picks up the staff of a pilgrim. He gives away all of his fine clothes and he puts on sackcloth and he walks down the mountain to Manresa where he stays for almost a year in a cave praying and fasting and reading. And it's in this cave that, that he comes up with the spiritual exercises, what's called the spiritual exercises, which uh, became the basis uh, for the, the Jesuit doctrine. So there I was, exactly 500 years later, uh, the place where Ignatius, Ignatius of Loyola was standing, the place where I was standing uh, in front of Mary, and it was a pretty special moment. You know he touched the orb. I bet he even kissed it. But he should have. Because God met him there. It was a sacred place of surrender. You know, Mary surrendered too. In our story, it's a crazy story. Gabriel, who himself is a big deal, what he said was a big deal. It was hard for Mary to grasp. She was confused. She was perplexed. And what God was asking Mary to do, it had huge implications. The main one being, you know, in Mary's day, if you were legally um, engaged, it was a, a, a binding agreement, arranged marriage for sure. But if you were um, legally engaged and turned up pregnant by someone other than your betrothed, well, it was the death penalty. 
Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 23. You were to be stoned to death. And all of the other things that must have been, been swirling in, in Mary's mind. Um, the plans that had been made, the dreams. Joseph, we don't know what kind of guy he was. but And Mary said, yeah. She said yes to God. She says, here I am, the Lord's servant girl. Let it be as you have said. Let it be as you have said. It's a prayer of surrender. One of my mentors years ago taught me a prayer of surrender. It goes something like this. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Now, what was the question? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. What was it you wanted? So I'm, I'm sitting in the Basilica, Chan and I, we have our prayer bees and we're, we're praying as, we, as was our custom on this pilgrimage. And as we're sitting in the Basilica praying, I can see the, the, the pilgrims and the tourists in front and they're, they're standing in, in front of the statue. They're touching it. They're kissing it. They're, they're turning around and taking selfies. And I'm like, are you kidding me? But you know, as I sat there, I felt really glad that I obeyed the signs. I don't know if it was a big deal. But for me, there was something about being in that sacred place and in some small way being obedient and being faithful. You know, God, God comes. We know the Lord is coming. But sometimes it's, it's unexpected, and God shows up in that sacred place and calls us to something, stirs us to something, challenges us to something. And it matters how we respond. I don't imagine that uh, it's going to be exactly like Mary's situation uh, or, or even like St. Ignatius' situation. It'll be ours. It'll be our moment. It'll be our time. You know, it's interesting to me um, that Mary, in this cave, when Gabriel says these things to her, like, this is, this is what God is inviting you to do, um, that she was obedient to God's will. You know, like she says, let it be as you have said. And Jesus, on the lap of, of uh, the black Madonna, years later, would be in the garden, and he'd be praying. And it wasn't an easy prayer. He, he, he sweat like drops of blood, hoping that there was another way. But you remember his final prayer. You know, not my will, but your will. As we begin this journey of Advent, and we walk the road to Bethlehem, the Lord will surely come. How will we respond? Amen.